This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everyone. Uh, Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Thanksgiving week in the U.S. I bring that up right up front because we're only doing this one podcast this week. And I also say we because Paul is with me. (laughs) I'm so glad about that. Oh, man. Thank you for hosting. I apologize to everyone. I was not on. I was feeling bad. And, you know, when you feel bad, you just can't pull through. And it just sort of hit me right as we were supposed to start recording live. So I didn't make it. And Todd, you did an amazing job. Incredibly professional. Thank you for holding down the fort. Thank you for entertaining everyone. We'll just have to look forward to next time but totally. keep sending your questions guys i just felt rotten and when you you know when well here's the thing it was podcast 850 and we had a lot of questions come in and it was a live stream and i did what i could and thank you guys for helping you me did with amazing movie questions thank you but i also have you guys to know that paul didn't feel well when i got here and when i was done with the podcast it was clear he was worse so yeah, I, I wasn't it feeling was, too hot. It was all bad. Yeah. But I, hey, you're you're much much better now. You have yeah. bounced back, which is wonderful. So now, also because this is now a podcast that can talk about cars, because last episode didn't, <laughs> we can talk about LA Auto Show, <laughs> right. and we can talk about what just happened, the first ever since the parking lot at Caesars, Las Vegas GP. The memes were out in force. I'm oh, going yeah. straight to the GP. Oh yeah, for sure. The Go memes were out, mm-hmm. and my favorite one, if you haven't seen it, the drain chicane. It is yes. build a chicane around the broken drain. Uh-huh. <laughs> the yes. middle of the back straight where you're doing 210 plus. Yes. Build a chicane in like Little Ma straight. Brilliant. Fantastic. I mean, it was still a show. Max still won. Spoiler alert. But it's not really a spoiler alert since everybody knows he's secured the championship by now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting race, though. I didn't expect there would be very much changing of positions, and it was outside of Max. It was constant changing of positions. (laughs) Right, right. All the way up to, like, the last couple of corners that decided who was on podium. And that, at least, is better racing, let's be honest, than a lot of times in Formula One where it's like, however you started is how you finished. That's what racing is all about. Yes. That's Uh what the audience wants. Yes. That's what enthusiasts want to see. Mm -hmm. Of course, we all have our favorite drivers. We all have our non-favorite drivers. Mm -hmm. We all want racing. We want passing. We want good moves. We want good driving. We want all these drivers to be elevated and see the professionalism. And I have to say, I do disagree with Max because he was kind of sour about being there. And I thought, you know what? It really is a show and a party in Vegas with racing cars. And here's what's weird is after he won, he's singing Viva Las Vegas in the car. And I'm like, you know what, buddy? Pick a lane. Exactly. If, if you want to get in on the fact that it's Vegas, don't get in just because you won. But I've said it before. Yes. Look, Max is a very talented driver. Absolutely. The reality is if you made a screenplay of the current list of drivers, Lewis Hamilton, in spite of winning seven championships, in spite of that, Lewis Hamilton is the scrappy underdog and Max Verstappen is the villain. Yes. I mean, that's really who he is. I like how you're still in script mode. Yes. And you're still, you you can apply scripts. Absolutely. By the way, audience, Todd does this a lot when we see... various billboards for new shows or events coming out he can skewer it and it is so funny i about fall over because he can tell me how it was conceived how the meeting went between all the the studio executives i I, I theorize the meeting yeah backs up all the way and then and then this is the outcome he goes really and you haven't even seen a frame of the show and you're like i know exactly what this is going to be about and it turns out you're right this is the same demeanor that i apply while walking around the la auto show and discovering that nissan decided to make pajamas (laughs) which if you haven't seen the short yet it came out on original channel where i am standing by the mannequin in you you coined it paul they just look sloppy 
sloppy. I will be the first to say that among the two of us, you and I, Paul, I am the one that looks weird and sloppy. However, it's sloppier <laughs> than I am. And, and here's the thing. I would never wear anything that sloppy and pajamified. And I coined the term pajasmos. <laughs> Because it's so Nissan good. pajamas. So they got their Nismo pajamas, so they're pajasmos. <laughs> and yeah, anyway, so you were a big fan of that. And we walked around all over the LA Auto Show. We saw all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, I have to say, the biggest contrast for me at the LA Auto Show was a surprise. And that is, on the back of the Volkswagen booth were two electrics side by side. And in those two electrics, I saw the bookends of the problem. Sitting there was... The Volkswagen ID7, which, to give you frame reference yes. if you haven't seen it, this is a Volkswagen electric sedan that looks like, imagine the Ionic 6, the kind of crazy-looking teardrop-shaped sedan from Hyundai, okay? Imagine that done more staid. That's what the ID7 is. The it new is, forget a mobile yes, from Volkswagen. Yes. There is nothing remarkable about the ID7. And sitting next to it, also fully electrified, is the ID Buzz, their new camper wagon all right it's the camper van from the 60s the but revived yeah, the bus awesome. is back yeah. revived as an ev and everything about that felt like a win it was interesting yeah. it was unique it felt playful it was a good use of an ev architecture and it's sitting next to Boringville, which also, yes. by the way, was in charcoal gray, just to make it worse. It was an orange ID buzz and a charcoal <laughs> gray ID7. Hate, you don't hate this enough. Just in case you didn't look past it and <laughs> oh look at the gosh. orange thing, we'll also put it here in gray. And I was like, these two right here, just in EVs, show you the range of what we're talking about. I don't care if it's an EV. I don't care if it's a hybrid. I don't care if it's a gasoline motor. Make a car that's interesting. And mm -hmm. here was the problem executed in EV form, interesting versus Snoozeville, next to each other from the same manufacturer at the back of the same booth. We kind of picked up on the talk of the show. And by the way, it was fairly thinly attended by most manufacturers. Mercedes was not there, nor was BMW, Audi, Mini, JLR, Mazda, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, and Porsche were not mm -hmm. at the auto show. It's a shorter list of those that were, that weren't real startups you hadn't heard of. Okay. So there were a lot of EVs, uh, a few more startups and more booth space for yes. the attendees. Yes. But the flat floor, the packaging for EVs was the big talk. That was mm -hmm. sort of the buzz around. The buzz. The, the buzz, buzz around the buzz. The, the yeah. ID buzz mm -hmm. around yeah. the show. And, you know, Todd and I are getting into these electric vehicles thinking, if you can't make a very roomy sedan or a roomy SUV that's an EV, you failed. <laughs> Inherently, <laughs> is step it's one. giving you the You're platform, right. the very right. basic yeah. architecture that every car company has now settled on yeah. simply yeah. gives you more space. So to tout, hey, we've got the most legroom or the most backseat space, that's not really an accomplishment anymore. You're going to have to do better. Mm. Well, gosh, it actually drives differently than everyone else's yeah, it four inch thick battery flat on the floor with two motors, same architecture, plop the new body on, run the wiring harnesses, plug everything in and fix the seats in place. Well, elsewhere at the Volkswagen booth, you took a photo was exactly what we're talking about. Yes. They yes. had the they had the skateboard platform and hovering above it, hung from the ceiling, was just the body they chose. Well, I was going to ask you, do you remember what it was? I don't. It doesn't matter. There's there's no point in remembering. It was just You're right. shape of a car, right. yep. stamped out of sheet metal, welded yep. together and painted, plop it onto the skateboard. So tell me, how will this be different? But with the ID Buzz, it's all about people mover. Yeah. It was You're always right. the You're bus. Right. The original bus mm -hmm. was thin and it had a 
flat floor because the engine was in the back. And so mm -hmm. people are already used to that. Yep, and so yep. Volkswagen is actually embracing that. And I think it is successful. I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. And here you can make the battery a little bit thicker, which means more range because mm -hmm. you're going to be carrying people and cargo and stuff. I think it works great. And I think it is a great execution. I think they really need to lean into it. They did kind of lean to, into it because they covered the floor of the LA Convention Center with sand so they could park the surfboards, the Volkswagen branded surfboards I was by just, the buzz. I was envisioning the guy whose task it was oh. to bring the sand in and then the even worse task that it was to get the sand out. I guess you just had to vacuum it all out. out to get something. it out, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we saw every version of the Corvette sitting side by side. Ah, yes. So that was interesting to see the base C8 like we have, which is still a phenomenal car, the Z06 and the E-Ray, and the wheels have only gotten better. And I actually think the E-Ray is a really nice refinement of that design. I think it's really cool how, how good that yeah. looks. Uh, of course, yeah, EV is what everybody's all excited about. But the BRZ TS, which is the more sporty, better suspension, better brakes version of the BRZ current 86, that was there. I didn't see the equivalent sport pack version of the GR86, which was a bit of a bummer because it was cool to see those huge Brembo brakes on the new 86 chassis. That was great. And that was 20 feet away from the upcoming, I'm saying upcoming, I'm calling it, the Honda Prelude. Mm, which looks yes. looks production ready. The tells that you've always told me, which are where are the mirrors? Yeah. And also <laughs> <They're> where, <large. laughs> where are the where's the crash space? And in the modern time that means pedestrian crash space where it's gotta have that big nose on it for pedestrian crash ratings. Both of those things are present in this new prelude, which looks amazing except for the fact it looks quite a bit like a Prius from the front end. Petrolhead2003 asks if this Prelude concept did make it production. What do we think would most likely it would compete with? I think a GR86. Because I don't think Honda can build a Prelude and not apply HPD thinking to a Prelude and bring out a performance version of this, even if it's a hybrid. I hope you're right. I fear you're not right. I fear it's going to be a Civic hybrid competitor. Because back when they did the CRZ, which looked cooler than it drove. I mean, it drove decent, but it looked cooler than it drove. It looked like a sports car and was really just a hybrid. This looks really cool. And the last Prelude, front-wheel drive, last Prelude of the 90s, early 2000s, was one of the better designs on the road and looked, because of its long hood, looked like a rear-wheel drive car and mm -hmm. was not, looked like an amazing sports car and was not, even though it was very good to drive. This will probably be good to drive. I fear it's going to have a CVT. No manual gearbox, Ugh. and will compete against the hybrid Civic. That's my concern. I would like it because of how it looks and because of the name for them to make a sporty version with a manual, but we'll see. I hope they don't just plop this on top of a Civic chassis or, or Where's, make a – it's a two-door Civic. We need a, right? we need a Prelude Si. We exactly need a really right. good one that drives phenomenal. Absolutely. But can you imagine a Prelude Type R? Can you even envision Ooh. Prelude Type R? And here's what modern technology has done for us. In my mind, when I say four-wheel steering, I always think of Honda Preludes. Interesting. Okay. There are mm -hmm. many other cars yeah. with four-wheel steering, notably your Z. 300ZX, yep, exactly. But when I think of four-wheel steer, I always think Prelude. That's interesting. And since electric power steering means you don't have to run hydraulic lines, 
You true, can ju true. just simply install an EPS mm -hmm. rack in the back of the new Prelude and bring four-wheel steering back to a little tiny sports car like this. The interior was notably missing. The windows were completely blacked out. Yes. So it was sort of like, mm -hmm. yeah, this you wanted to spend less on your concept car. I get it. It wasn't wanna... even tint. It was just black wrap <laughs> on the inside of the windows. Yeah. It's like, but still, we could have the kinds of tech and bring it to mm -hmm. the public less expensively to manufacture. Mm -hmm. They always looked at Prelude, and the way I envisioned Prelude was it was kind of a test bed for, hey, sporty driving, mm, four-wheel steering. Okay. It could right. be accessible to most people from a budget standpoint, but still really fun to drive. That's what Prelude always meant. That's what Civic has turned out to be. Mm. That's why we love Civic SI. What a great deal, and what a great driving car. Mm -hmm. Drop the Civic SI motor into this. Yeah. Put yeah. four-wheel steering on it. Mm. to differentiate it and bring that prelude name back. Mm. If you want to, Honda, you could consider that Type R. I mean, I am not seeing tailpipes on this concept. Such an embarrassing engine, they just decided to <laughs> retract it like a turtle. Like, there let's just pull you in the exhaust pipe way back underneath the, the rear apron Good so stuff. we don't really reveal what kind of powertrain is going in it. If it's an all-EV, I don't think it will be successful. If it's mm. a hybrid, mm. I think they've got a chance. But if you put the Civic Si motor in this mm. and offer four-wheel steer, which the Civic Si does not have because yeah, true. that would make it compelling for buyers. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Prelude's back. And you don't offer a two-door Civic. I could see Correct. it. It's a cool-looking car. It really is. I really dig this car. Pajasmos. <laughs> I love how much you love that. And I kind of surprised you with it, which was part of the fun. So funny. We're moving on to What are you doing, <laughs> Nissan, making pajamas? Put all the effort that you put into sourcing the material and joining with mm, the designer mm -hmm. and the advertising dollars you're spending on pajasmos. They're like $250, Put that into making great cars. Uh -huh. Just make great yep. cars. Turn your focus off pajamas, sloppy pajamas that you're going to see somebody <laughs> board an aircraft wearing. You're so right. Build freaking great cars. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use Foaming Surface Wash and Polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer, you can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. For our topic Tuesday, we have one that my brain like splintered off into many other topics around this. 
Andrew's writing in saying, how do I ease my friend into the car hobby? Okay, we're going to step carefully. (laughs) He says he's a 21-year-old living in Southern California, and he has a Mark 7.5 Golf GTI Autobahn with a six-speed manual. Loves it. Guess what he replaced? A Mark 6 GTI (laughs) six-speed manual. So you have a love for those cars. I'm going to quick side note here, Andrew. What else have you driven? What else have you Mm. driven a lot of? Because Mm. it's clear at 21, you have a lot of love for the Volkswagen GTI. That is an excellent car. I want you to drive as many things as you can, even though you are the catalyst for the car disease among your friends. You have a couple of buddies, actually three buddies, and two out of your three closest friends you say have fully realized what you have been trying to knock into their heads for the past two decades. Hang on. You're 21. So since pretty much birth, these guys have been your buddies. <laughs> since birth. You have, exactly. They have been your buddies and you've been going, why don't you get cars? But to their credit, they have come around. One of them, your friend Ian, bought a V6 Camaro, which he adores. The other, Nick, has an NA Miata. And they are now not only your best friends, but also your car best friends. But we have an outlier. The other friend of the group is your friend named Ethan. And he started, just now, started to ask kind of simple car questions. And you're going, oh, Ethan's close to being a car person. Can I push him over the edge? There's a paragraph in here early on, Andrew, in your email. By the way, thank you for writing. Yes, very cool. I really love that you're wrestling with this, this issue. But you said, historically, you've always been into cars your entire life. Thanks to your family. And you've extended the passion with your close friends. Mm -hmm. You've always brought up cars, enthusiasts driving, and everything in between to your friends to try to get them into it. You even said you started at birth for as long Mm -hmm. as you can remember. And that's almost the through line for every car enthusiast, whether it is dormant in your life for a period of time. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of your life, something sparked an interest in cars. You're watching racing. You're playing with Hot Wheels or Matchbox. You're building your own models. You're doing something with cars. And maybe life happens, education happens, moving. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. get distracted. And then midlife, you realize we have had people who realize, I've always been a car person and I've never nurtured this thing that I love. And why am I not driving something great? Never really knew it. And apparently I love cars. That's happened for sure. Yeah. always been into cars and you're trying to get your friends into cars. Have you asked them if they've always been into cars? Have you even talked Mm, to them about mm, this? mm. You started being always into cars. How about them? Have they always been into cars? Do we know? Mm. My mom always said you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink, right? You can always invite them along to events. You can always take them everywhere. You can include them. But I feel like, Andrew, you're going to be in a position that many parents find themselves in when their kids are growing up. Mm. They want to introduce their kids to a lot of things that might interest them to see what interests them and say, okay, so chess is not for you. Photography is. Mm -hmm. Chess is for you. And skydiving isn't. Or math and science are not for you, but the arts are. <laughs> and you're, you're finding that out with your son, buddy. I am. And, uh, and you're stumbling into the other side of this equation is, and one of the standard pitfalls of parents is you only expose your kids to the things that you already like because these are the things they should like too. Mm. This happens mm. a lot with sports parents, but it happens with parents in the arts sports as well. Parents. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. It's such uh, a we, thing. We have, we have family friends and their son is roughly my age. Okay. They were my parents' best friends when I was growing up. Okay. Okay. We rarely saw them because every weekend they were at their son, roughly my age, baseball game. And he was as dedicated to baseball as you can possibly be. And he got all the way up to college 
and played in college and then was done, was finished, went on to be like a banker. Okay. Like as far, but but his parents had spent their entire life. All of their social time was following the fact that he liked baseball. And now he, as a grown man, is doing the exact same thing with his son, who is about to go to college and is an excellent baseball player. No kidding. And I am fascinated to know, will his son have a different trajectory or wind up doing something not related? My point here is, this is a parent problem, and I'm not saying I am immune. This is a thing where, like my son plays the viola. I play the nothing. I play nothing, okay? I played nothing very well, okay? You play the volume knob on this I, stereo. I, exactly. I appreciate music very, very much. Yes. Okay? I, I understand. nothing. I, I understand how to mix things. I get it. I cannot play. And he likes the viola. He stumbled into it, and he really loves it. And I'm just sitting there going, Okay, you like the viola. He never really connected with climbing when he was young, and I hoped he would. Sure. All right, that was kind of a death for me. So you have to kind of find Mm. these things as a parent. But you're right. He's in the very similar conversation here, Andrew is, with his buddies. Ethan, your buddy Ethan drives a 2017 Honda Civic LX. Andrew thinks that it's best to turn to podcasts and videos because it's such a great tool for newcomers Mm -hmm. to the hobby, as well as people who know quite a lot. He thinks another positive would be to go to a few car events that accentuate positive car culture that would help his friends see what's out there. Andrew, you're right about that. But Andrew also writes that he's more of a true automotive enthusiast who enjoys car meets and events as well as spirited canyon driving. Whereas his friend Nick is more focused on the toge culture, which is the drift culture yeah, in Japan. Yeah. The time canyon runs. He said it's only on specific car platforms. Yes, there's nothing wrong with doing this, Andrew writes, or enjoying what you love. But at the same time, Andrew feels like this is an awkward balance of trying to go in the right direction versus just being set on one type of automotive culture. Yeah, he's he's trying to be as broad as possible, but some of his buddies, again, who are coming around to liking cars, are finding their niche within car culture. And there are a lot of niches. You keep stumbling into the overlanding niche, and I'll lose you <laughs> for, keep, for like, half the day. I bonking my yeah. head on the yeah, overlanding you bonk, thing. Yeah, you bonk your head on something that is six foot lifted, and <laughs> like, you're like, what is this now? And so you're gone. Thing? Yeah, exactly. That's where you live in SEMA. So, <laughs> Andrew... I, this is we've already kind of touched on this, but I want to circle back to it, and that is, are you sure Ethan wants to be into cars? Because I'm going to throw a curveball at you. When you meet someone and you start dating them, invariably, something happens on both sides, and that is you each take an interest in something the other person likes, but you never really like it very much. You like it because they like it, and you like them. This happens in dating relationships all the time. But you know what? It also happens in friendships. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly healthy for it to happen in a friendship. So I want to be careful on Ethan's behalf that you don't force him to like cars or push him farther into car love than he is just showing an interest because you are his buddy and it interests you. Mm. And I'm thinking about our mutual friend, Greg. Okay. Our mutual friend Greg has helped us on shoots. Yes. He has been involved since the dawn of Everyday Driver. We, of course, talk cars. We advise him on cars that he buys for his family. But if I had to really zoom out, does my friend, dear friend Greg, like cars? <laughs> Not really. Not really. No. Doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah. Might ask me multiple interesting questions that can get a whole conversation going because it's me and I can talk True. about cars True. or whatever. True. He may ask a lot of questions and 30 minutes have gone by while I just kind of rallied off about cars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But But left to his own devices, cars, not really his thing. And he is one of my dearest friends. So I want want you to give Ethan the space to not like cars any more than he does right now. I want to talk about ways that this can be advanced. But I also want you to be careful 
that you don't make I like cars the defining thing about your friend group. Mm, that's good. Even though I know you want friends to enjoy your car yes. disease with. And mm-hmm. you've got a good group of friends there, it sounds like. I have two quick stories for you, Andrew, and those both come from my buddy, Michael. You remember me in many episodes past, I have referred to him as the guy with Pontiac tattooed on his heart. Yes. He is a drag racer. He loves to build on his 1967 GTO that he's had since he was 15 years old. It's been a track car. It's been a drag car. It's been a canyon carving car. Mm -hmm. He has replaced engines. He's done all kinds of configurations, and it's kind of a beater. It's not in great shape. Sure, sure, yeah. But boy, does it get people talking. Mm, And he's mm. overheard people plotting to buy it from him. (laughs) The first story comes from his kids. His youngest uh, son is three years old, somewhere in there. His older son, I think, is right around Bodie's age. Okay, all right. 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Got it, got it. His name's Noah, and Noah wants to be picked up from school in the GTO. He specifically requests that Michael bring that GTO to the school pickup line that are full of Crosstrex and Outbacks, Teslas, and everything. And there's a a policy at the school in Park City where you cannot idle. It's an idle-free zone. So Michael, (laughs) he said, I respect that. You know, he shuts his engine off the more opportunities so he can fire it back up. Of course. And the kids come running. They don't run to the Rivian. They don't run to the Tesla or the Outback. They don't mob the Escalade or the Cayenne or the Range Rovers in the the school pickup line. They mob Michael and his beat-up GTO that pretty much shakes the ground when he starts it up. If you're in an 800-foot radius of this car, the ground vibrates. It's got, I think, between five and 700 horsepower going through the transmission and... (laughs) He just loves this car, but he drives it all the time. Mm. And he picks his sons up from school in it. Is there a point in Ethan's life that Mm. he can remember, Andrew? None of those kids can identify why they love that. They just come running regardless because, oh my gosh, this machine rumbling, vibrating, making all the heads turn. That's what is the beginning of that car disease in all of us. And the second story is when Michael was actually racing a Rivian. He said with uh, his family in the car, and he decided to let the Rivian know, above 90, you're going to run out of steam. (laughs) That 67 GTO ain't. That's funny. (laughs) Because electric cars are very quick. They've got all of us. Mm -hmm. They they just have you. It doesn't matter what electric it is. Don't even try. The internet Mm -hmm. is full of disbelievers you're right. Tesla versus anything. The Tesla just wins. It just does. <laughs> You're so Rivian right. Rivian versus anything. Well, the Rivian just mm-hmm, wins. Mm-hmm. Except in this case, when they're already rolling and Michael counted it down mm-hmm. and the Rivian owner thought that he could k- keep up with a 60-year-old car. Wow. Nope. Wow. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. And he uh, score one for the old school. <laughs> 55-year-old car, however old. I get, no, you're right. It's a better part of 60. You're right, yeah. Almost 60 years old. It was pretty funny. I don't condone the street racing, but still that was on Michael. But it just kind of felt good like, yeah, this old car that's sure. shaking the ground. And yeah. that kind of feeling is what the kids want. That's what we, the kid in all of us want. So what is the story that is in every one of your friends, Andrew, that they can think back to and go, You know what? This particular incident reminded me of that's kind of when it all started. And that's why I encourage all of us as adults to never stifle that in our own kids, our own Mm -hmm. friends, kids, any young adult. And 
you're, you're wanting to share your passion and love for that mm. because you never know what that spark is going to be. You never know what will leave that impression. So that's why we love to share what we do and the way we can do it through a yeah, podcast yeah, and video. Yeah. You're right, Andrew. Ask them what their story is. And if they don't have one, do they want to make their own story? It's never that's, too late to start. That's very good. Uh, Andrew, I want you to encourage Ethan to dabble in lots of parts of car culture. Take him to a Cars and Coffee and be okay if he didn't enjoy himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just, the cars are sitting in the parking lot. I didn't like that. Or, oh, that was awesome because I got to get close to stuff I've never seen before. Allow Ethan to dabble and join you and also allow him to be like, you know, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Give, give, give that capability in your friendship. But I also want to say this, and I feel like this is the thing that was most pivotal for me and remains pivotal every single year we do this show. Take Ethan somewhere. I, I don't know where, but take him somewhere that is a decent back road. Mm. And let him drive that back road at a pace that feels fast to him. Oh, that's good. Please yeah. do not drive your friend Ethan as fast as you can go down said back road right. and ask him if he's having fun because he might not be. Right. Okay. I experience this with my wife regularly. She's like, your your, your pace is not my pace, which Why is aren't okay. you having fun. Exactly right. Let me go but, faster so but, you'll have fun. But find a a road that is. This, this is gonna sound so stupid, but I do mean it. When we commute, we barely turn the wheel. When we drive in traffic or we go to the office, we barely turn the wheel until we're turning into a parking space. And then it takes a lot of movement. Other than that, we barely turn the wheel. Yeah, that's true. Where can you find a road that actually has corners that involve you turning the wheel because the car is moving and must make the corner? Find that road. I don't care if it's three corners because it crosses a railroad track or you know it goes down by the river and there are these two corners and then that's all we've got. Some road that he can drive at a speed that feels quick to him and actually have to move the weight of the car side to side because the more I did, I grew up in Houston. We didn't do this. There were like two roads I knew of where I could find any corners at all. All right, seriously. Kind of flat and straight. Totally. And I still remember the couple of roads that I would sometimes go down just because there were a couple of corners. <laughs> seriously, I, I absolutely had that experience. So my point is, give him the opportunity to feel the weight shift of a car and the dynamics of a car because that's the thing that really hooked me. I know there's going to be future stories of the car enthusiasts who are young and maybe yet unborn right now, Andrew. And they will say later in life, well, it all started when my dad set his iPhone on the top of the Tesla dash and hit it as hard as he could. And it smacked me right in the face. And that was my grand awakening to being a car enthusiast. It hit me so hard in the head. I just had to love cars. (laughs) Still hurts. Look, it says iPhone on my forehead. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Trent in Denver writes to us with a debate that could almost be a topic Tuesday in and of itself. But I I figured since we're being philosophical already, let's continue with Trent's question. And Mm -hmm. that is, why does he want a sports car? I love this because it does feel very much like another topic Tuesday. This is fantastic. Trent thinks the tools for the jobs argument that we use makes a lot of sense. Okay. He doesn't need to have multiple SUVs or buy a car for the couple of times a year the family's in town. (laughs) You're right. Holidays. I, I need eight seats <laughs> once a year for two days. I should buy an eight seat. No, don't no. do that. It's usually just Trent commuting. Short distance currently less than five miles each way. Less than five miles mm-hmm. each way. Mm-hmm. Taking back or picking up his daughter from daycare, running around town with the three of, of them, he, his wife, and his daughter. 
So how he uses a car and plans to use a car does not point towards sports cars being the right tool. Mm. But he feels like he wants one. Look, his commute, electric car. Or what about a high miles per gallon commuter? And he doesn't care. He doesn't want those. He wants a sports car. He wants it because he's bored by standard people hauling devices. Mm. So a silver CUV is not your thing? Is that what you're saying? Perfect. Because everybody has one for you, Trent. I promise you. (laughs) He likes the more engaging feel of cars that have more, more hidden under their skin. Love it. There's more that could be the new advertisement. There's more than meets the eye hidden under this skin. It's just a huge billboard. It just says more, a little more. picture of the car in the corner. Moving on. He likes a modest amount of power, like 300 horsepower and torque and a okay. good sound. He appreciates the differences in how power is made and how it feels from a naturally aspirated engine with a consistent swell into the higher revs or that punch from a well-designed turbo or supercharged engine. Love it. Great stuff. He is in Denver, as we mentioned, so great driving is all around, but he doesn't go to the track. He's going to try to go to an HPDE event next year with loner cars. He's not into it yet. We highly encourage that, Trent. Yeah, that's very cool. He doesn't just go out for a drive. His main hobby is mountain biking. We get that. Mm -hmm. So his free time is usually spent on mountain biking, and so a third car doesn't make any sense. It could also be argued that he gets to enjoy good roads on the way to the mountain bike trails. You did that a lot in your Z, or yes, well, going to climbing. Climbing and, and yeah. also hiking stuff. That's how I found some of the great roads in California that we ended up shooting. <laughs> the hiking trails are only accessed by great roads. Mm-hmm. But during this week, Trent, his, his after-work rides are very local to the Front Range, so not into the good roads, and otherwise he's on the grid streets of the suburbs or the highways around Denver. And then most of his mountain driving is on the weekends. And during those drives, he's usually taking the family to bike too. In this case, they take their Audi Q5 with space for three bikes out back on a rack and gear in the hatch. Mm. This, this tool, he refers to the Audi as a tool. It's a tool, yes. You know, if you're lucky, that uh, Q5 five-seat CUV is also silver or gray. If you're really lucky, we'll just really land the plane here. Oh, right, that's cool. He uses it in the summer for the job of pulling their small pop-up camper. That's great. Yeah. Use it quite a bit. Trent's current daily is a 2013 BMW 335 X-Drive. Okay. He's really enjoyed this car over the past two and a half years, and now he's thinking about what the next car could be when his daughter is big enough to buckle herself into the booster. Mm. She's two and a half, so she still has a couple of years left with front-facing car seats. But his dreams show the future containing 911s and GR86s and BMW 2 Series <laughs> or 4 Series coupes and other fun-seeming 2 Plus 2s. He does need a back seat because his wife and he split daycare, drop off and pick up duty. And he says he knows you can have kids in the front seat with the airbags off, but that's not really him. Okay. He says there's always that feeling of when, when timing works. Mm-hmm. He'd love to try another type of car for a different experience, but he wouldn't really be getting that experience out of a sports car with how he currently uses it. Mm-hmm. So on ramps or back roads or some heading to the trail, something like that. But for the most part, he's... Doing his best to not get speeding tickets and just commuting. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. This Excellent. is not what we recommend to get no. extract the maximum fun out of driving, but we do get it. So this is not a question of giving himself permission to go buy a 911 because it was just the first car on his list. He's given himself permission mm-hmm. and his wife is on board because he's already planning to check them out. He's not driven one yet or the rest of the short list that he's mentioned. And there's a question that came to him when thinking about the next car and He's got this discussion around the idea. A sports car doesn't make sense, but he still wants one. Trent, I love this. This is more Topic Tuesday than recommending a car to you. And I do say all the stuff you've listed, you need to go drive. You've listed 911s. You've listed 2 Series, 4 Series. You listed the GR86. Figure out a way to drive as many of those in the short term as possible and not because you're buying. 
Try to find those cars. Turo them if you have to. Even if, you, if that's the simpler way to go, just get them all off of Turo. Just to drive them. Mm-hmm. Because you have, the 335 is great, but you also have the X-Drive. So you're talking about a rear-wheel drive car in contrast, and I think you're going to be to find that very interesting. You don't have a rear-wheel drive car in your life. So I want you to drive all of those cars as soon as possible just to get a sense for, do I like this? I think you're going to, but do I like this? But Trent, I'm going to try to answer your question by asking you questions. And that is, Trent, uh, do you want to watch? Do you want to watch? (laughs) Wait, where are we going with this? But I'll go one further based on what you've already told me. Trent, can you tell me you wouldn't like an upgrade or an updated mountain bike? You've told me you already have one. Why do you want another one? Don't you have a mountain bike? Doesn't that mountain bike work perfectly good? Couldn't that mountain bike be driven forever? Isn't that mountain bike? Because you do it a lot. Something you thoroughly enjoy riding, but are you telling me you wouldn't get a different mountain bike? My point here is we all have hobbies and life stages where different things interest us. And I already mentioned this earlier. I used to climb all the time. Now I bike a lot. Now, while that's a shift, I really enjoy mountain biking. I'm never on the mountain bike going, I wish I was climbing. (laughs) I love being on the mountain bike. I thoroughly (laughs) enjoy it. But climbing was a huge part of my life for a long time. I still enjoy going. I like to go skiing. But the thing, and there were times in my life when skiing was number one. Right now, mountain biking is number one. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't feel bad about the fact that I shifted. Okay, so, so you are a person that likes to mountain bike. You would absolutely get a different mountain bike. And you say, I don't know how I'd use a sports car, but you know why you feel that way? You don't have one. We adjust our life for mm-hmm. the things that we're interested in. And I suspect if you had a sports car, you would find different ways to go about your life and to use it than you do now. We adapt to the things that intrigue us, which is why I want you driving all those rear-wheel drive sports cars before you buy one to see, do I like this? And I'll, I'll go directly to my personal life experience. I always liked cars. I always owned cars that weren't that much fun to drive. And then I bought that automatic 300ZX. That's right. And all of a sudden, I was still commuting. I had the same terrible the LA commute. Parted, the world turned color. You would think because <laughs> I had the same everyday LA commute that was not fun. Yeah. And I found ways, because I was on Mulholland Drive, some of it, I found ways to make it fun. But here was the weirdest thing. Swallowing people's trash cans on trash day. Here here was the weirdest thing, though. All of a sudden, something I'd never done before ever is I would drive 200 miles on a Sunday morning on the weekend. I didn't have anywhere to go. I would just drive out to a local Cars and Coffee, and then I would spend the better part of two hours driving down L.A. uh, Canyon roads, and then I would go home. I'd I'd be gone like half the day. But the next morning, I was going to wake up and drive that car in traffic. What am I doing? But I now had a car that interested me and a way to find roads to drive it. And with things like the mounts, the suction mounts you can put on sports cars for mountain bikes Mm -hmm. and this kind of thing, I suspect you would adapt your life to a sports car. What you're doing is standing back without a sports car and going, I could never make that work. But what if you found one you loved? You would adapt to it. And you would suddenly be like, well, I use my sports car for all these things. Buying that car for you didn't really make any sense. No. I had a perfectly good commute car. I just thought it was yeah. really cool looking. And Trent, I love your choices, but I suggest that you continue to add to your list of cars that really don't make sense. And speaking of things that don't make sense, I made a list. Good. You're a list guy. I like it. The Amphicar. The Flying Car. <laughs> the BMW X6. Oh, that doesn't make sense. Makes You're right. No yeah, sense. It makes no sense. Range uh-huh. Rover Evoke convertibles. True. No sense. No sense. The Volkswagen T-Rock convertible. Uh, I'll go with you on that. Yeah. 
the Mercedes X-Class pickup truck, which was just a Nissan Navara underneath. <laughs> a Formula One engine installed in a minivan. For that matter, a Hellcat in a Prius. There you go. Here's one. Parking a Honda S2000 for 20 years so you can sell it for more money at auction. Mm. Makes no sense. Multiple bronze lifestyle statues of deer in my neighbor's yards. Makes <laughs> What is no that play? Sense. I do not get it. Here, here is a multiple hundred pound life-size bronze of a massive bull elk that stands in my front yard and slowly gets worse and yes. worse every single year. Yes. But I'm so glad that's there. I do not understand. Don't, it doesn't make sense. You loathe money so much. <laughs> <laughs> so great is your hatred for money that you decided to spend it on a deer sculpture in your yard. Well, uh, I don't on, get hang, it. Hang on. I have to stay on this rant for a second. If you lived in Manhattan, I would actually kind of understand it. Because okay, the crazy okay. thing about here is the deer's going to wander through your it's yard. It's just going to wander through and one stare morning, at the statue gonna, and be like, hey, One Bob. morning, you're going to look out your window and there is an actual bull elk in your, in your driveway. So why do you have a statue? If you were, if you're in the middle of Arizona with a statue of a polar bear, weird. But at least you're but never going to see sure. one another way. Hey, Harry, don't you think that looks like Bob a little bit? <laughs> nah, I don't know. They all look the same. One day Bob was gone, and now he's standing here. <laughs> now he's a bronze. He doesn't move anymore. Hey, bronze Bob. Bank fees don't make sense. TikTok challenges, and finally, the location of the washing machine in your house. Mm. Why isn't it located next to your clothes? Some houses it is now. Makes no sense. They've started to change that. I it's know. Now this makes yeah. all the sense in the world. Yes, it does. Your washing machine is nowhere near your clothes. Yep. That's most people's experience with their washing machine. You're right. So what is it about this list that you can apply to cars, Trent, that make you think, huh, I, I would consider that, but I just, I still need it to be practical. Mm. Now, those cars do sell. Civic Type R's, mm -hmm. Hyundai Elantra N's. Mm -hmm. They're sedans that are useful and they're still kind of made for the track. But what are the ones that don't really make any sense at all? And they're just for pure enjoyment, like a GR Supra. Mm. You cannot take your daughter in that. Well, I mean, you can, but your wife can't go. If your wife takes your daughter, right. then you can't go. Choices must be made, yes. I'm wondering about adding to your list to think, that just doesn't make sense and I might enjoy it more because ultimately what you're asking for and what you want, Trent, is a willing to sacrifice the convenience of every task in your life in order to satisfy this longing of your heart or this mm -hmm. deep unrealized desire which far supersedes convenience. As convenient as cars can be, all of us enthusiasts want more than just convenience. If it makes me happy, that when I'm driving fast corners or a racetrack, I really don't care how inconvenient it is or how much it doesn't make sense to my life. And topping the list of inconvenient cars is a Lotus Elise. Yes. If it brings you joy, why would you suppress it? I think that Z taught you, this is super inconvenient and it makes me love it more. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of took it to the very cold. I, 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 went, a little, I went a little nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I started in caprices and wound up in the leases. These things are not not the same. Yeah. Of all mm -hmm. the inconvenient cars to choose. You're right. Oh, absolutely right. Top to come off, mm -hmm. hard and easy to get in and out of, ingress, mm -hmm. egress, mm -hmm. just general maintenance, taking care of it, finding somebody to work on it, all of those things, whatever it is, you know, taking care of it. It's been actually really great to take care it of. You've had great, a great yeah. experience, but mm -hmm. still. All those things that we genuinely want, because I want you to have what you want. Those are connected to money. I'm glad you've got approval for, from your MOF. But the people who deliver the things that other people want, mm. those people are in a good business. Whatever business that is, 
But that applies to car companies. And the ones that build cars that appeal to this thing inside of us are the ones that I believe will continue to build great ones. Mm. They mm. acknowledge that through their high-performance programs. Sure. Yeah. For the first time ever, the first Hyundai EV to wear the N badge is the Ionic 5N. And I just stood there shaking my head at the LA Auto Show going, does this need to exist? Maybe it did, though. Do we need the Maybe Ionic 5N? But they brought the uh, N brand out and they've applied N to everything. Toyota is applying GR to practically everything. Mm -hmm. Honda, take note. Build a Prelude, apply the SI and the Type R to mm -hmm. the Prelude. There you go. Build some Acura version of this hot little thing and Type mm -hmm. S it. There you go. Do this and you will show your customer, oh, that's an aspirational car because I believe, car companies, that there are many customers like Trent that think, I, I already have an MDX. I, mm -hmm. I have the sedan. I've got the mm -hmm. minivan. I've got the thing. What in your brand portfolio there feeds this wacky disease that I have? Mm -hmm. What do you have to offer me? Because if you don't, that just sends a message. We're just building silver SUVs. Silver mm -hmm. eggs mm -hmm. is all we're going to yep. build from here on out. Mm -hmm. There's no fun. And there's employees at all of these car companies that desperately want that. Why do we continually see people of all stripes building cars with their name on it and trying to start their mobility company right, and asking right. for investor dollars to reimagine the future of what? Mm. Is it just mobility we want? <laughs> no, it is not, Canoe. <laughs> Oh, wow. The no. random canoe kidney shot out of nowhere. Well done. Well done. Well, but you're also tapping into something else that I think is really interesting. I feel like broad brush time here. I feel like most humans fall into one of two camps when it comes to life experience. We either just at our core, we want new experiences or we're too afraid of new experiences, but we'll watch someone else do one. But the core of yes. both of those is as humans, we're intrigued by a new and different experience. And here you are, Trent, with cars that make sense, that cars that work, and you want something that doesn't. And I yes. want to say this thing I've said many, many times on the podcast, you don't have to buy a car with house thinking. They're expensive, especially right now with the APRs and all, but you can buy a car and have it for six months. There's, true. there's no That's reason true. you can't. Yeah, there's some expense there. I get that. I understand it. You're going to end up buying the other thing on the back end and you had extra taxes. I understand. But my point is, we all, and I was raised in this, I was raised in a household where you bought a car and you stopped driving it because there was no point in resuscitating that car again. And that may be mm. a decade or more, okay? Mm. And now you and I are like <laughs> buying a car every year because like, well, we need something else. We got to do something else now. I mean, you and we keep our cars as well behind we the do. scenes, but we also we just like buying more stuff. Mm -hmm. We like having a new experience that's beyond just, and we're thankful to the manufacturers to give us a week loan or a month loan or whatever. But this is like, no, no, we want to own it. We want to have it mm -hmm. in our life and get that experience. And you're, you're circling that, Trent. And I want to say, do that. It's a new life experience. It doesn't have to be permanent. Have a season in your life where it's like, I'm going to own this. I'm going to make this work. Trent, I highly suggest that you investigate buying some sort of statue in bronze for your yard. <laughs> yes. It could be deer, but maybe mm -hmm. it's polar bear. Todd had a great suggestion with the polar bears. Something you're not going to see. Like a flock of bronze penguins in your yard. Perfect. A flock of anything. Just make sure they're bronze. They're immobile. <laughs> and it says to your neighbors, I have so much money. I loathe money. No, I'm just kidding. Spend it all in a car. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On Instagram, the driver's seat photographer asks our favorite old school car magazine. Mm. Sport compact car, totally. Oh, okay. That's a good one. I kind of dug one. that. I actually liked Automobile when it was first founded. Yes. That was Automobile really was great. good. It, it, yeah. it was uh, David E. Davis, and he, he founded it originally, and, the, and the, their tagline was No Boring Cars. And they're coming out in the face of all of these other magazines, and their whole premise was driving is fun and we should talk about the fun cars and i was like yes <laughs> yes driving in magazine form i mean look you and i have had a progression over the course of this brand and we here on the podcast will talk about any and all cars of all kinds and we understand the usefulness of all kinds of cars you can't out minivan a minivan is one of the many things That's we say true. we're having fun in a prius right now because yes. the absurdity of it makes us laugh and hopefully you as well i just enjoy the strange but looks from my neighbors i know you do it's just I know constantly you do. It's especially considering some of the crazy cars that have wound up in your driveway and now you're driving a prius which is fantastic yes but yeah it was automobile for me i did love that and then of course you know the european magazines the british magazines evo and top gear have always been great and they like everything else are struggling to survive which is too bad so the logan asks how much would we spend if we could snap our fingers and have everyone in the u.s instantly brought up to german level driving standards and expectations ted would give a couple of grand per year mm. you've kind of hit it because that's what a german driver's license costs yeah, to yeah. get by the time you're all said and done it is two to three thousand euro from what we understand it's just magic the people just they get out of your way and you get out of their way and you yeah. obey the speed limits but then when they're removed it's always the americans and you know something stupid and fast and we're <laughs> spending money on going fast yes, and that's uh-huh. the whole point and it's wonderful but then it, it's a privilege and it really is treated like that and the quality of the asphalt the roadways mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. cleanliness all of that adds up to a far superior driving experience. I would happily contribute that. I think that's when at the inception of your license, I do not know actually if that's repeated, if that's an mm-hmm. annual kind of thing, or if that's, you know, whenever you renew your license, something like that. I, I don't really know, but still I would happily contribute because there's so many people that really don't know what driving is about and how to drive. And I can True. tell you yeah, yeah, by yeah. the attitude of your car and the way you've turned your wheels, I can tell you if you're on your phone or if you just don't know what you're doing and you don't understand what good tires can do for a corner. Sadly, the plague is actually international because we actually have seen on a couple of our German trips, and, and to the credit of this person, they're never in the left lane. They're, nobody parks themselves in the left lane and goes slow in Germany. That is a rule everybody True. seems to abide by. True. But we have seen people in other lanes not driving well and seen that they're on their phone. Yes. The plague is international now. It has grown another head and it is everywhere, including Germany. But <sighs> at least the left lane is respected. Yes. And you and I get very funny looks when we drive a van full of people every year on pilgrimage quickly in the left lane. And then we get back right and people pass us and they look at us as they go by like, why is the van going quickly at all? Exactly. We look at the t- speed rating on the tire and we go, well, we'll go that fast, I guess. So that's, <laughs> that's how that our happens. metric. There we go. Bitter Car Guy says, okay, on Instagram, Integra Type S versus Civic Type R, why didn't Acura further differentiate the car by giving it a dual clutch transmission? Were they afraid that it would steal sales from the Civic Type R? Think about it this way. Flip it around. Where's the development dollars for that? 
Honda doesn't have a dual clutch to shove into a front-wheel drive car. That doesn't exist in their lineup. So are they going to either A, develop their own, which is typically what Honda would do. They wouldn't chase out and get somebody else's transmission. True. Or are they going to get one from somebody else that has a dual clutch for a front-wheel drive, which would be what, Hyundai? And they're, uh, they're not going to talk to Hyundai. Exactly. They're going to put that in that. their product. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to spend the development dollars just to, to differentiate the Acura because to the point you've made a couple times, Paul, which I think is excellent, the way to differentiate it would give it super handling all-wheel drive like the rest of the Acura lineup. And totally. do that. Drive to Run on Instagram asks our thoughts on buying an already wrapped used car from a dealer. Mm. This dealer, <laughs> this is not theoretical. Yeah. <laughs> this dealer has no background on the wrap. And while the wrap color is cool and acceptable... Drive to Run does not like the color underneath. It's black. This is a mm. DB9 Volante manual we're talking about, so Ooh. it's fairly rare. Ooh, yeah, it is. But it's hard for Drive to Run to pull the trigger and buy it without a good idea of what's underneath. You're right. However, wraps really do reflect the paint quality underneath. Even if there's damage and it's wrapped, you can very easily see through the wrap you can what's see going on. And stuff, yeah. I mean, it's almost like sandpaper practically you can understand the surface of the car how how good the paint job is you can see the sanding marks through the paint it's it's pretty thin and a db9 volante suggests somebody wanting to show off mm, it mm. does not suggest a wrap is hiding damage or hiding impurities or or a flaw necessarily it suggests more yeah black is kind of boring it's not the greatest and they wrapped it some color we don't even know what the color is yeah i just kind of want to be flashy wrap the car and Upgraded, traded it in, sold the car, and it's on to this dealer without, uh, really, I, I don't think it would have damage. You would you would know. And popping the hood, looking inside the door jam and various panels and doing the best you can to kind of sleuth things, take a flashlight mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. look at the car. You can tell if it's been repaired and then wrapped again or, mm-hmm. you know, especially if it's there's damage and it's been repaired, it's a lot of effort to to go wrap it again. Many times the dealer or whoever it's doing, especially if the car is getting sold, they'll just pull the wrap. Let's just get the paint, you know, yeah. match the paint quality, match the paint color and just pull the wrap. So mm. I don't know that you have too much to worry about, especially because of the car. If it were a wrapped charger, I can see your, your concern. Mm. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it does suggest that this was a boring color to the person that owned it and they wanted it a flashy color. I also wonder, you didn't tell us if the wrap is a color, the car was not available in. And my guess is it was. I think this was wrapped because they wanted it in that color and it wasn't possible to get it that way, which means it's probably okay. I think, what have we heard? Like four or five years a wrap's okay on a paint that has to be swapped? Something like that. So think about about how long that wrap might have been on there. I mean, worst case scenario, you take it off, the paint's not great, you wrap it again. I don't think you really lose money on that deal. That car probably has dropped about as far as it's going to go. I don't know that there's a whole lot of second and third buyers for a DB9 Volante manual. So I think (laughs) it's a pretty cool option. Over on Facebook, Barbara P. says, as a former Prelude owner, she's intrigued by this new one. It sounds like we already like it. Yes. Was there anything we didn't like about it? I think mostly that it's a tease and that Honda Mm -hmm. really didn't go all the way to put a full interior in it to show Mm -hmm. we're pretty dang serious. Because not putting an interior in a car is a very less expensive way for a car company to just put something out Mm -hmm. there. It's It's less than a toe in the pool. It's more like, yeah, we're kind of thinking, we're playing, but that's, this project could easily get pulled if we decide. If they had put an interior in it, that means they're going farther. They're utilizing mm-hmm. designers' time mm-hmm. and effort, and they're 
putting three or four million into building the concept to really say we're serious. So it feels half serious to me. And that's what I, I don't that. like about it. I see that. My concern actually is the slightly Prius look of the hammerhead covering over the lights. <laughs> I think if they would just cover, yeah. and it, this, I know this is hard to visualize, but they would just cover the back opening, the back slice. It would mm -hmm. already not look like the mm -hmm. Prius just covering the back part where the lights peek through. Uh, that is the thing I think they need to differentiate further, but otherwise I thought it looked pretty cool. Hopefully that should add, add, answer your question, Ted, on green as well about the Prelude, but you're asking about the Mustang GTD, the mm. GT Daytona. How does it compare to the latest Ford GT? It's a completely different car. It's, it's a Mustang. A, it's a Mustang-shaped mm -hmm. object over the yeah. top of a race car is yeah, what it yeah, is. Good. It's different panels. It's entire, It's got a transaxle. It's entirely different architecture, and I love that it exists, and I love that Jim Farley had the conversation and asked Multimatic to build this monster. It's $300,000. So it's, you know, <laughs> one for everybody, not for all the buyers, all the GT buyers. But I do like that Ford is going to kind of take the wood to Porsche. Let's see what happens. It'd be very interesting. Celebrity deathmatch with the GTD Mustang, right? Jared Rose one says, what do we think is going to be more iconic in 30 years? The Dodge Challenger Hellcat or the Dodge Challenger 426 Hemi, now that both have gone the way of the dinosaur. I know 426 Hemi has history. I get all that. But I think it's Hellcat. Hellcat. I think in 30 years, yeah. something that is, I'm sure it'll be pulled out of plastic and sit there and some, it'll roll across an auction. More things that make no uh, sense. Yeah, but it'll be a Dodge Challenger Hellcat that will seem like such utter madness from a bygone era that that's going to be the one. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Write to us, TV at gmail.com for all your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. We are, as we said at the top of the podcast, this was the will be the only podcast for this week. Yep. We hope if you're in the U.S., you have a great holiday and good Thanksgiving. And we're, we're getting ready for a new year, too. We're already looking ahead to It'll be nuts. We'll things. take another break right around Christmas time. But this is a very brief break. We'll see you in a week on next Tuesday. And we look forward to it. Cheers, everyone.